That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. Because of the delayed start. And we got some month-long rentals going places. We got some big-name pitchers. We got some young talent shipping, getting shipped across the league. And uh, we got a lot of news to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, the only similarity is it happened on the 31st, just a different 31st. Yep. And uh, it's, yeah, it's the waiver deadline that used to exist. Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. A lot of guys who you would be very surprised if before the season, if you heard that these guys were going to get traded, you would probably be shocked uh, at some some of the guys that got moved. Um, some know, of these guys, you'd, you'd be shocked or even trade worthy. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Like uh, Trevor Rosenthal is, a, is an old And that's who, exactly who I was talking about. I didn't even know he was still in the league. Turns out he's actually doing really well this season and earned himself a spot on a competing team. Yeah, it's been incredibly interesting. Um, we could get right into it. The Padres, the Padres are here to win in 2020 and beyond. They have put, they have planted firmly as a win now team. Uh, as they should be there. They have, I think, I think now the second best record in the national league, second best or third best. And they have gotten many, many players. They got Trevor Rosenthal, Mitch Moreland, Austin Nola, and the headliner is Mike Clevenger. Um, where, where do we want to start here? Well, I mean, this is exactly how you have to be if you're AJ Preller and the Padres, you know, they, they did, have to get rid of a lot of young talent in their farm system. Uh, we'll obviously get to that in a little bit, but you know, you're going to have the Dodgers. You're always going to have them up above you. Like that's kind of just the way things are in the NL central. And if you want to compete, this is how you got to be. You've got to, you know, be aggressive at the trade deadline. You've got to get an ACE uh, when you might be lacking one. Cause you know, as good as Chris Paddock, Paddock is, he's not, I don't think he's ready to lead a rotation right now. I think he needs some sort of veteran presence above him. Uh, to sort of uh, lead by example. And Mike Clevenger is exactly that. Yeah, and it, it's not – yeah, the experience is a is a factor because, you know, Denelson Lamette has made a step up. But even him, he's still, I think, like 25 or 26 years old. Mike yeah. Clevenger, uh, you know, he, he hasn't had that crazy amount of uh, league experience, but he is a guy who's uh, 29 or 30 right now. And uh, he's been in the league since about 2016. And, you know, the Indians pitching system, it, I think you have a lot to learn from uh, yeah. that area. So he could bring that, some of that to the, the Padres rotation. Yeah, and I mean, the Indians have for a while had the best rotation in the league, whether it was led by, you know, Kluber and Salazar and Carrasco or by, you know, now or at least at the start of this year, you know, Bieber, Clevenger, uh, Savale. Mike Clevenger went into spring training this year as the guy. Like, he was the number one pitcher, you know, on the Indians. I believe he started opening day. Is that correct? Or was um, that – no, Bieber did. But Bieber did, Bieber yeah. started opening day. But Clevenger was the most experienced, and he was sort of uh, the leader in that rotation as, you know, like he – in Corey Kluber's absence, he was the one uh, taking that leadership role. And, you know, being a leader of that pitching factory, you know, is something considering, you know, to consider on a, on a 
pitcher's resume. Uh, to go over to San Diego now where they're just developing, uh, I think is a really good look for Clev, really good look for A.J. Preller. Um, and, yeah, do you get into the bits and pieces of the players dealt here? Uh, yeah, so Mike Clevenger, if you're unaware of how just how good Mike Clevenger is, um, here's, a, here's a stat to show you what he has been doing since about 2018. So there are 33 pitchers uh, who have pitched 300-plus innings pitched in the American League since the start of 2018, and his earned run average ranks fourth uh, among those 33 pitchers behind Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and Blake Snell, uh, all, of, all, uh, all of which were at least a Cy Young or a Cy Young runner-up uh, in the last two years. So that's where he's been. And so along with Mike Clevenger went uh, Greg Allen. Greg Allen is a mostly like a pinch runner type guy. In 2019, he was in the 92nd percentile in sprint speed. And in 2018, he had 21 stolen bases. So now into what the uh, Indians received because they, they let go of a, a giant starting pitcher. They got, they got a haul. They got – they got a lot of guys. So I guess the headliner is Cal Quantrill. Uh, Cal Quantrill is a right-handed pitcher, 25 years old. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick, eighth overall in 2016. And he was the 40th best prospect. He was ranked the 40th best prospect in baseball, according to MLB.com, before 2018. But he's kind of dropped off since then. He's produced okay numbers in the big leagues in 120 and a third innings pitched. Uh, he was a starter last year, and this year he's a reliever, and he's actually doing better. Um, he has a 2.60 ERA right now currently as a reliever. Uh, he was drafted as a starter, but, you know, whatever works. And he's more of a ground ball pitcher. So far in 2020, 45.0% uh, uh, of the batted balls on him have turned out to be ground balls, and he uses his sinker 37.3% of the time. So that's Cal Quantrill. That's like, that's probably the main guy that they're getting uh, some relief help for this year. Then there's Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor is an outfielder, 23 years old, and he was the number 99 prospect in baseball, according to Baseball America, prior to 20, 2019. And so far in his career, he has 317 career plate appearances and an OPS plus of 92. And that's not bad considering that he's only 23 years old. He's probably going to be above average um, at some point uh, later on. Then the Indians also got Gabriel Arias. He is a shortstop, 20 years old. His estimated time of arrival is 2022. And he is now the number five prospect in the Indian system. He had an 809 OPS in high A last year. And uh, he's actually graded higher for his defensive ability. Uh, so maybe a guy that... Well, actually now, I mean, Francisco Lindor is probably going to go into free agency. So maybe that's your shortstop of the future over there in Cleveland, um, unfortunately. And then the Indians also got J Joey Cantillo. Joey Cantillo is actually very, uh, very interesting. So he's a left-handed pitcher, 20 years old. His estimated time of arrival is 2022. And uh, now he is the number 15 prospect in the Indian system. He started as a 16th round draft pick in 2019, but in the minors, he's done extremely well. He's outperformed that, that uh, draft point. He had a 2.26 ERA 
in 111 and two-thirds innings pitch across single A last year. And what's even more surprising, that he was striking out 11.6 batters per nine innings and only walking 2.7 per nine innings. And then the fifth guy is Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges is a catcher, 28 years old. Uh, he's a poor offensive catcher, but uh, he led the league in runs extra strikes in 2019. That meant he was the best framer uh, in all of baseball last year, getting getting the best, uh, getting the most calls, that most extra calls. I feel, I'm pretty sure he was on for a gold glove uh, last year. Yeah. He was like a finalist for it. Yeah, he must, he must have been. And in his career, he throws runners out at a 32% clip. Uh, league average is 27%, so he's about 5% above average um, in that sense. And then Owen Miller is the last guy. He's a, he's a middle infielder. Uh, he's 23 years old. He was a third-round draft pick in 2018, and now he is the number 19 prospect in the Indian system. And he had a uh, 785 OPS in Double A last year. Not much on the guy. Um, maybe a guy they could bring in uh, a couple years from now. So that's that's the haul they got. The Indians did not really. They didn't cheap out. They didn't. They didn't compromise that much because uh, they got six guys that I could all I could see all six of them making somewhat of an, of an impact on their major league roster at at some point. Do you think you can make the case that the Padres have the most complete team in the National League? Um, it's like, look at their lineup, look at their rotation with Clev, and look at their bullpen. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's very hard to beat the Dodgers, but the – It I is very hard to beat the Dodgers. But the I, mean, Dodgers they be right I guess maybe their bullpen isn't, but I don't, I don't know. I can't. I can't really, uh, I can't really put anybody over the Dodgers, but that the Dodgers are the most complete team in baseball. So that that's just, it's yeah, hard yeah. to, uh, it's hard to put anyone over the Dodgers. But after the Dodgers, it it might just be the Padres. Yeah, really could. Um, so now they got. I mean, if they go into a four-game playoff series, they got Clev, Paddock, Lamette, and what Zach Davies, maybe maybe. Uh, Luis Patino, if he can develop quickly, like that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, Davies has been pretty good this year, right? Very under the he's been very he's kind of been under the radar for a while. Uh, I remember with the Brewers, like he had some some like pretty high quality seasons that didn't really go as noticed. Um, I remember seventeen wins in uh twenty seventeen. I remember that. Um, yeah, he has a two six one ERA this year. In 41 and a third innings pitch, 37 strikeouts, uh, ERA plus of 168, FIP of 325. Yeah, I mean, also uh, only two walks per nine, which is not bad either. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zach Davies, I mean, if that's your four starter going to the playoffs, like not bad at all. And also like, you know, Chris Paddock, I know that, you know, his stats show that he can be better, but that's the type of guy you, like I would be very excited to see him on a mound in October. Yeah, I mean, he's got the fire and, and, and all that. He's got, I think he's got that competitive, whatever that off switch, I think he's got that. And, uh, like, he's got stuff to, to, to back it up. Yeah, the Padres, exactly. the Padres are – they're probably not going to be the, the best team coming out of the National League, but they might just be the most exciting team. Uh, they're going to be America's team. Everyone's going to want that team to win in yeah. October. 
Yeah, I was going to say they right now they're America's most popular t- in terms of like if you're not a you know like a Sox, Yankees, Dodgers fan, whatever. It's probably the they probably have the most secondary fans like my if there's a if there's a bandwagon to hop on right now, it's the San Diego Padres. Yes. Correct. Yeah. The the Padres are yeah, they've they've done nothing but provide highlight after highlight after highlight and they're gonna get more with yeah. what they what they just picked up. Yeah, I mean and I'll get into the lineup uh after I go through this next trade. Uh you know, there's a lot of people saying that they got fleeced in the Austin Nola trade. Uh and you could definitely look that that way and I'll go over who was who was uh given up in the deal in just a minute um but Austin Nola gets traded from the Seattle Mariners to the Padres he was my how about that last week so uh you know cool to see the Padres recognizing him too yeah and Austin Nola is one of three catchers in the majors to have have accumulated one win above replacement according to fan graphs the other one is JT Real Muto who is widely regarded as the best catcher in the league. So that's not bad. Uh, one interesting thing, though, uh, I mean, Nola just came up last year, so he does have six years of control. But the problem is he's 30 years old. Uh, he played 773 games in the minor leagues before uh, playing in the majors. And he is arbitration eligible after 2022. So, I mean, you have a lot of control. But you just, you know, with the age, you really don't know how – uh, for how long he's going to be able to contribute to your team. That is the one thing, especially since you gave up your primary catcher in uh, Hedges and Luis Torrens, uh, who I'll go over in a minute, was a backup catcher. So that is the that was the centerpiece of this trade. Uh, the Padres also got Austin Adams from the Mariners, who had really good strikeout numbers, uh, 14.9 strikeouts per nine in 32 innings pitched uh, in 2019. In the majors, so that was awesome. And uh, Dan Altivia was also given up. He's a reliever, uh, has not been very good uh, as of late. 6.49 ERA with a 4.89 FIP uh, since 2019. Uh, also 1,900 runs and 19 walks in 26 innings pitched. Uh, that is what he's done since 2019. So that is what the Padres are getting. So now let's see what Jerry Depoto was able to bring back for those three players. First of all, Taylor Trammell. Uh, this guy is the 60th overall prospect on MLB.com currently. Uh, he was also the MVP of the t- 2018 Futures game in Washington, D.C., and he's about to turn 23 years old uh, next month. So this guy is young. He's been traded twice. He was in the Trevor Bauer trade because uh, he was originally on the Reds. Uh, he, that was a three-team trade, of course. So it's crazy to see a guy, like, highly touted prospect of his caliber get traded twice. Like, when else have we seen that? Um, I mean, I, Anthony Rizzo kind of, but he didn't even – he reached the major leagues. He, he made the majors at least. Yeah, like, he, he did. Yeah. has been traded twice as a highly touted prospect. He has not played a single game in the majors. Anyway, that is pretty much the main piece the Mariners got back. And by the way – the Mariners' outfield of the future is looking pretty hot. They got Jared Kalenic, uh, of course, their number one prospect who they got in the Edwin Diaz trade. They got Julio Rodriguez, their second-best prospect. They have Kyle Lewis, who, of course, is uh, the frontrunner for AL Rookie of the Year. And now they got uh, Taylor Trammell. 
So, I mean, they got a lot of options in that outfield. And if the universal DH is going to – I mean, I guess it doesn't matter for them anyway because they're an AL team. But, I mean, you know, you could put one of those guys at DH and have a really deep lineup, uh, which is awesome. And you also got Ty France, who is 26 years old. Uh, he He's played 89 games in the majors. He has a 736 career OPS. Uh, so, you know, you could have – you could have some uh, potential there, like an above-average OPS uh, at best. You also have Luis Torrens, uh, who is the backup catcher for the Padres. Uh, his offensive numbers have not been very effective since he came to the majors. I've, hearing, I've heard from Padres fans that he's okay at best at defense. Uh, so, you know, maybe not the best option there, but, I mean, a backup catcher regardless. And he is a former Rule 5 pick from the Padres as well. And the last person is Andres Munoz, who is on the DL right now, or the IL, I'm sorry. Uh, but he had a 317 FIP in 23 innings pitched in 2019 with 11.7 strikeouts per nine. So that guy definitely has a lot of potential uh, to, be, to be coming out of that Mariners bullpen uh, in the future. And, you know, the Padres have a very, very deep lineup. I mean, Austin Ola as your catcher, who has an above 300 average and I believe a 900 OPS, nothing to complain about at all. Uh, of course, your infield is Hosmer, Cronenworth, Tatis, and Machado. Uh, that's Slam Diego. All of them hit grand slams in that week. In your outfield, you have Tommy Pham, who is my guy to watch, who hasn't gotten it going yet, but he's been hurt. Uh, so he could definitely turn it on. Trent Grisham, who's, who, uh, who was hot to start the year, and then Will Myers, who is also hitting the cover off the ball this year. And your DH is Mitch Moreland, who they just traded for from the Boston Red Sox. Mitch Moreland had – did he have an above 12 OPS uh, upon being traded? Uh, I think so. Mitch Moreland, like, I bet there's a lot of – I bet there's a lot of non-Red Sox fans who don't know just how good he's been. Mitch Moreland has the highest OPS against right-handed pitchers this year. Uh, minimum 50 plate appearances against right-handed pitchers. He has a 1225 OPS against right-handed pitchers. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you and I can speak upon, speak of him with sort of the eye test because we are both Red Sox fans and we've gotten to watch him uh, for the past four years. Uh, Mitch Moreland is a ball player you want on your team. Like, I, he's yeah. a gold glove caliber defender. I mean, he won a gold glove in 2016. Uh, he's going to give you an above-average offensive season. Uh, he's going to be there. Yeah, I mean, he's there in the clutch moments when you need them. I mean, in, in game four of the 2018 World Series, like, he had, a, he had this monster home run that went, like, 460 feet. Uh, that It didn't even give the Red Sox the lead or even tie the game, but as soon as that home run, like, he had – that sort of effect where as soon as he hit it, it's like, all right, we're not losing this game. And we obviously the Red Sox ended up winning um, that game. But Mitch Moreland is a professional. Like he comes in, like he's a hard worker. He, he's everything you want in a ball player. And he's also got that veteran presence because he has over 10 years of service time. He actually just hit that. Um, so Mitch Moreland, the Padres are going to get someone they really like. And should they make the postseason, this guy – can be expected to make noise in October. Yeah, and what I will say is when he's been healthy, he's been almost elite. Like, he, he's been – when he gets hot, 
It's usually when he's healthy, and this year he's been healthy the entire season. And look, a 12.25 OPS against uh, right-handed pitchers. Um, so we're going to take a little break, but the listeners won't be getting a break. They'll be, we'll be right back uh, with the listeners, but we're taking a little, a little, uh, little halftime before the show's going to end over. And we're back talking. Now we're going to be going into Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rosenthal, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, a huge surprise this year went from a guy who was, I think, on waivers or designated a, for assignment like two weeks into last season to being uh, one of the best relievers on the market this season. Yeah, I didn't even realize Trevor Rosenthal was like still in the league. Uh, he had a solid 13.50 ERA last year in 15 and third innings pitched. Uh, that makes 23 earned runs in 15 innings. Also, 26 walks and 17 strikeouts. A, a FIP of 6.87. Uh, this guy was just flat out bad last year for the Nationals and the Tigers in a small sample size, albeit. But, I mean, just take a waiver deal with the Kansas City Royals. Obviously not a team that's expecting much. And actually – put himself in a position to be on a winning team. He's now on the San Diego Padres. I mean, good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now on a, on a, uh, on a winning team and the Padres definitely needed that bullpen help because, you know, you already think of the Padres as a team with a good bullpen, but uh, Kirby Yates is on the IL. Drew Pomeranz uh, is on the IL, I think still. Um, and uh, Emilio Pagan is, exactly what you've been hoping for yeah Emilio Pagan has kind of underperformed as of late so getting another back of the bullpen type guy you know a guy that can strike out a lot of guys is very is very important for the Padres and solidifies them as as one of the most talented teams in the National League yeah I, I mean realistically the Dodgers still probably win the division but I mean if San Diego was able to make a run at it that'd be cool to watch yeah, it would be cool. I mean, they've, they've hung with the Dodgers this year. I think they're three and four against them, which isn't bad at all. Um, so, I mean, why not? And the Padres really, they addressed every single problem and filled every single hole uh, in this trade deadline. It was really incredible. Yeah, I mean, they did give up quite a bit, which I think could possibly come back to bite them in, in three to four years, especially that Mariners trade. Uh, but A.J. Preller is in win-down mode, and I got I to tip my hat to him. Yeah, and, like, them giving up a lot. I mean, I'm thinking about who they gave up. Uh, Cal Quantrill, I mean, he's probably going to be a reliever for a while. So you're fine flipping him for Clevenger. Uh, you traded Josh Naylor, who, you know, you might want the outfielder in the future, but still. And Gabriel Arias is a shortstop. You already have your shortstop of the of the future there. Um, and then you know you have you have a lot of future guys who are just in Major League Baseball right now. So dumping some prospects isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not gonna yeah. It's not gonna be the end of the world. But I think they might. There might be some trades where they're like, "Ooh, we could have that guy. We could have Trammell. We could have uh, Andres Munoz, who's striking out a lot of guys for the Mariners." Which, I mean, I don't. Once I like I said, not the end of the world, but 
I don't know. I feel like the Mariners are going to look back on this trade, on the Austin Nola trade, and be really happy about it, especially because he's 30. Yeah, yeah. That that deal might be might end up the worst for them, but um, we'll see. We'll see how Austin Nola's career pans out because, you know, a lot of catchers, if he caught for the entirety of the minor leagues, a lot of catchers will just uh, switch to, like, first base in their mid-30s, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the direction he wants to take, but but I mean, they got Evan, they got Evan White at first base. Actually, the Mariners do. Never mind. Padres, what they have Hosmer, they have Moreland. Uh, I mean, how long is Hosmer still under contract for? Yeah, he's like, got he's got five more years after this. Signed in 2018, right? Well, it was a seven-year deal, right? I think it was eight eight one fifty four or what eight four one forty four. Maybe. Four or five years. Uh, and by that point, um, Austin Knowles is going to be 35 years old. Yeah, it's – yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, I, it is definitely a win-now type of uh, type of deal. He's, you know, one of the – he was the best catcher on the trade market. And, I mean, the Padres have a history of, of going all in but then having it blow up in their face. Like, of course, everyone remembers 2015 when they got – they got James Shields. They got Craig Kimbrell, Derek Norris, Matt Kemp, Will Meyer. I mean, Will Myers is still around now, which is good. But that's like, you know, then then they finished last place. Uh, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think we're gonna see that here, especially because the team was already talented to begin with. Yeah. But I mean, the Padres do have a history of of going all in and having it not work out. Yeah, that is that is true. But on to other teams, uh, the Oakland Athletics made a few moves themselves. Uh, they got Mike Miner, who you would have thought uh, would have more trade value uh, heading into the season, but he's struggled as of late, uh, brought his trade value down a little bit. And uh, another guy they got was Tommy LaStella, uh, who's a pretty, pretty big piece. Um, I think a bigger piece than a lot of people are, are realizing. Yeah, so I'll start with the Mike Miner trade. Um... Mike Miner is uh, under contract for another month. He was a free agent after this year. So, I mean, Oakland's kind of just taking a flyer. And why not? Because Frankie Montas has been struggling lately. Uh, Mike Fires hasn't been very good. So, I mean, they obviously have holes in their rotation. And Miner has been struggling too this year. Uh, 0-5 with a 5-6 ERA, uh, a 4-8-3 FIP in 35 innings pitched. And, I mean, obviously 0-5 is never good, even if – uh, win-loss record for pitchers isn't really looked at as much, uh, especially in a ballpark like I mentioned a few shows ago uh, with not a lot of offense. It is uh, interesting to see the increase in, in uh, runs allowed for Mike Miner, but, you know, I mean, if he goes to Oakland and can, like, solidify a spot in that rotation, I think that's really what the A's are looking for here. Yeah, they're, I think they're going based on uh, based on what he did last year. Um he should turn it around. He should at least be a serviceable, serviceable pitcher for the, uh, for the athletics. And yeah, then you got I know, uh, all of his, uh, I'm looking at all his rate statistics here uh, from 2019 to 2020. I'm seeing increases everywhere. He does. He is striking out a few more people. I know it is a smaller sample size, but it's 8.9 this year compared to 8.6 last year. Walks per nine is 3.3 to 2.9 increase this year. Home runs per nine is 1.8 to 1.3, uh, uh, and hits per nine is 8.9 to 8.2. So, I 
So he's, and this is, this is the, the higher numbers are all this year. So uh, he is, you know, I mean, it kind of confirms what we already know because he has a higher ERA, but I mean, outside of a small increase in strikeouts, he's not really doing anything much better than he was last year at this point. Yeah, it's, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but Mike Miner before last year, who's never, never quite an ace, but he's, he was still a, a serviceable pitcher. And I would, I would expect that with uh, him being in Oakland. And the other uh, guy, Tommy Lastella. Tommy Lastella, I, I say it's a big piece because um, he's, he's been pretty underrated uh, yeah. in the past two years. The only problem, the, the, the only problem is health. Uh, he hasn't put up a lot of plate appearances in the last two years. But since the start of 2019, of all second basemen to accumulate 400 plate appearances, his weighted runs created plus ranks sixth. So he's been one of the best uh, offense, one of the one of the better uh, offensive second basemen out there. I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because one stat that I had uh, so far this season, the Oakland A's have gotten the fourth worst production from second baseman by slugging percentage. So Tommy Lasella is going to help fill that hole. And they got an infield of Matt Olson, who, uh, you know, he could be playing better right now. Listella, uh, if he stays healthy, he can have like a solid like 120 uh, OPS plus, rated on screen plus, something like that. Simeon, who also needs to step it up a bit, and Matt Chapman, who is, of course, Matt Chapman. Uh, but the Oakland A's, they filled a hole. And I really, I really like what the Angels did here, too. Uh, they got Franklin Barreto. Uh, who was the A's top prospect when he entered the team in, I believe, 2018. And, you know, you're trading Tommy Listella in a, in a lost season where he's on a contract year for Barreto, who has a lot more control in the future. Yeah, I, I didn't know uh, what the return there was, but Franklin Barreto was, yeah, he was definitely highly touted in 2018. It is alarming when, like, a guy like Barreto or – a guy like Tramel, uh, when they're, you know, highly touted a couple years ago, and then they kind of fade, they kind of fade out in terms of rankings. I always well, see that as a pretty bad sign. But was Barreto injured or or what? Well, uh, first of all, he's over ten this year, uh, but he does have five runs scored. That's interesting. Huh? He's over ten in ten plate appearances. But he has five runs scored. How is that a thing? He's probably a pinch runner. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, okay, so he's been a pinch runner. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, anyway, four years in his career, he has 219 career plate appearances, only seven career walks. Walk rate is not very promising. Uh, but in those years, he has a 180 batting average with a 570 career OPS. Uh, so there definitely is another step to be taken for him as far as development goes. He is only 24 years old. And he's a free agent both, uh, after the 2024 season. Um, I mean, if you're the Angels, you're not really missing out on a month of time in La Stella when you're not going anywhere. Yeah, you you basically just you you get what you, you get what you get there, uh, you know. And it's there's not a crazy amount of value on La Stella, even though he's one of the better offensive uh, second basemen out there. But it's just a month of the guy. And you, you, you yep. kind of just take what you get there. Yeah, I mean, I like this trade a lot for both teams. Uh, I think I think both of them will look back on it 
uh, in a good way. I think Tommy Listella really could. He is, he is sort of a table setter uh, in that lineup. Like, he was always hitting before Mike Trout. Uh, so, I mean, he would get on base for him. And, I mean, you know, obviously the, the athletics don't have a Mike Trout, but they have Matt Olson, they have Matt Chapman, Mark Canna, uh, Stephen Piscotti. They have so many good bats in that lineup that a guy like Listella could set up for. Yeah, to- Tommy Listella is, yeah, as we mentioned, one of the better one of the better offensive second basemen out there, and definitely completes that infield. Um, another team that did some, I guess, completing of their roster uh, was the Blue Jays. Blue Jays got a couple starting pitchers. They got they also got Jonathan VR. Uh, what 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 uh what acquisition do you think was the best uh, out of out of those three? Out of these three, um. I'd say Walker just because, I mean, Robbie Ray has obviously been struggling this year. You mentioned him a couple of weeks ago on Slightly Alarming. And, I mean, VR is a very underrated player as well, but they already have uh, Bichette and Biggio in, in their corner infield. So I'm not quite sure where he fits in the field. Maybe he, maybe they DH him. Uh, just for, and I, think, I think if they didn't have that, then I would say VR. But I'm going to say Taiwan Walker just because uh, of that. He's 27 years old. Uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery in 2018, uh, he pitched one inning in all of 2019 on, ga- on, on the day of game 162. Uh, this year, so far, he's a 327 ERA in six starts, uh, 33 innings pitched, 29 strikeouts, 11 walks. Uh, he does have a fit before 6-2, so it does suggest that uh, he might regress a little bit. But, you know, the Blue Jays, they have Hyunjin Ryu uh, in their rotation. Uh, outside of that, like, have they have they really had any reliable starters all year? Um, no, I mean Nate Pearson is on the IL now, so you can't really. Mark has been struggling. Uh, Matt yeah. Schumacher hasn't been as good as he was, and yeah, I mean, not really. Trent Thornton is not the guy you want. Uh, I mean, Taiwan Walker probably becomes their two starter right now. Yeah, object objectively, yeah, it, it would make sense, especially with how he's doing this year uh Robbie Ray is a guy I was gonna say do you want to get into Robbie Ray Robbie Ray uh he was a, he was a slightly alarming um I think it was it was either the last episode or the the episode before that where I pointed yeah. out he he walks a guy per inning uh and this yeah. is never this has never been like a trend of his uh it, it, it's never been this bad for Robbie Ray He's had control issues before, but never, never like this. Um, but you should expect him to, to do better. I mean, he's always been kind of a number three guy uh, on the Diamondbacks staff. So, I mean, I, I'm, they probably didn't give up much for him. So that's probably a, a win for the Blue Jays, even though he's been struggling. And then Jonathan VR. Jonathan VR, he actually put up a very good season. I, I saw it was a... It was three. Jonathan VR put up 3.9 wins above replacement last year, and he's uh, he's done a little worse offensively from the batter's box. But still, I mean, he's one of the best base runners out there to to begin with. Like in a full season, he can give you 40 stolen bases and get caught less than 15 times, which is which is definitely good. 
you know. Yeah, not only that, but he had he had he has seventy one walks since the start of twenty nineteen, uh, which is awesome if you're that kind of a base runner. And uh, another thing you didn't mention, uh, last year he played all one hundred sixty two games, uh, which is a trait that very few people possess in today's game. Uh, it is sort of overlooked a little bit. Uh, I mean, just like having a guy that can go out there every day and give you that quality of, of baseball uh, doesn't come by very often. And Jonathan VR will be able to give that to the Blue Jays. Uh, like Tommy Lestella, he can be sort of a table setter in that lineup. Uh, just the only thing is, you know, where exactly does he fit? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think the Blue Jays, they're, they're a lineup that could that could use some speed, especially with uh Bichette yeah. out. Um, yeah, I'm like yeah, they could they could definitely use some speed at the top of the lineup, and I think I think VR VR pretty much does that for you. Yeah. So that's that's, what I got. that's the Blue Jays and what they did. Some some minor moves, you know, nothing they didn't uh they didn't empty their farm system. They got some small, smaller guys, some guys to ensure that they will get into the postseason. They're on track to get in the postseason right now, and that's probably a thing that will happen, especially with uh, the lack of like what other, you know, quote unquote wild card team. Yeah, it's them. It's them and the Twins right now at the seven and eight seeds, and behind them is like the Tigers and. I don't know, Royals, uh, Orioles. I think that's. I think that eight spot is kind of safe for the Blue Jays. Uh, another team that's, I believe, set in the seventh or eighth seed is the Colorado Rockies. Colorado Rockies were also active uh, at the deadline. They got themselves a nice reliever. They got themselves a nice outfielder. Michael Givens and Kevin Pillar. Uh, are going to the Rockies. What What were your thoughts on uh, on these acquisitions? Michael Givens is, is someone who's flown way under the radar this season. Uh, a 138 ERA with a 2.59 FIP, uh, also 13.2 strikeouts per nine. Pretty good. Uh, his home runs per nine is uh, has gone down by over one uh, over one from 2019. It went from 1.9 to 0.7, which is really encouraging if you're going to Colorado. Uh, because the air is so so much thinner uh, out there, and the ball flies a lot more. Um, the Rockies, I mean, have they had like particular bullpen struggles? I mean, like who's who's closing out games for them? Uh, I think it was Daniel Bard, right? Yeah, it was Daniel Bard, uh, who hadn't pitched since 2011, and he is a four he is a 4.20 ERA, fitting for Colorado. Um, I think they have Carlos Estevez too, I believe. Yeah, they yeah. have Carlos Estevez in their closer. Um, he has a three seven eight ERA, which is, I mean, it's decent, but they could definitely use some bullpen help. Um, so I guess that's where Michael Givens comes in. Yeah, Colorado is just, it's so random. I don't even know if it matters really how good you are. I mean, Wade Davis went over there and. Oh my God. He's been struggling. Could you go. Yeah, if you want a good laugh, go look at Wade Davis's uh, home road splits from his first season in Colorado. Yeah, it was, I'm gonna look it up right now because it was it was comical. It's just, it was uh, clear as day. It's just so random that I like a reliever going over there. I can't really take any stock in uh, 
in like them improving that much because so many guys just go over there and completely transform into a worse pitcher. So, I mean, it objectively, it should be a good, a good deal. I mean, Michael Gibbs, he, he's not only good this year for his entire career. I think he has a three, 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 two ERA uh, in his career. I, I was checking I was uh, earlier today. The like he was there for all the, the tough times in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. So Wade Davis in, in 20, uh, Wade Davis in 2018. Uh, I need to find game level stats. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his splits right now. Uh, so please hold. Yeah. But yeah, Gibbons Givens is objectively a good reliever. He had a rough year last year, but maybe it was juiced balls, uh, giving, giving him some trouble. Um, he, I mean, he's got 10.9 strikeouts per nine career-wise and only 3.5 walks per nine, which is pretty good for a reliever. I think the average reliever might have like four walks per nine. They just don't have as much control. Um, but yeah, like Michael Givens objectively should be a good deal, but so many guys just transform into uh, bad, bad pitchers over there. So Wade Davis uh, in 2018, a three five five ERA on the road, four seven three at home. Three, oh that that was uh, 2018. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then I mean, the other, the other acquisition, Kevin Pillar. Uh, we as Red Sox fans have seen him firsthand. Um, I mean, he's had a pretty good season, better than his. Uh, better than last season which earned him a an mvp candidacy which is still a single a single mvp vote still so ridiculous i i don't know what that guy was thinking but I he promise you it had to have been a san francisco writer like yeah. there's no way yeah it was uh, uh, and to his credit kevin pilar is still a very good player i mean obviously you've seen the defensive highlights for years and years uh but he has started to pick it up more on offense uh, over the last couple of years, and that showed in Boston. And, I mean, in Colorado, uh, it probably is going to show because it's a hitter's paradise. Um, so, let's see. In 2018, uh, he had a 708 OPS, and then it's, it went up a little bit in 2019 to 719. And then 795 OPS with the Red Sox in 30 games. Uh, so, he was off to a pretty good start, and Colorado is probably going to be good to him as well. Yeah, he's a uh... – yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he he's a he's a free swinger. He doesn't really walk a lot, uh, but you know he's a giant hustler, very good defensively, obviously, um, and yeah, has improved offensively. Very serviceable offensively. I know the uh, Rockies have a very good outfield or a pretty deep outfield already. Um, and but Kevin, getting Kevin Pillar will will still be uh, will still be worth it. You know, they got Blackman, Dahl, Tapia, uh, Hilliard. But Polaris is still a good acquisition there. Yeah, uh, not bad. Not a bad move from the Rockies. Probably, I mean, you can only assume they're going to try and snag that seven or eight seed at this point because San Diego looks really good and the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. So the Rockies keeping themselves relevant, keeping themselves uh, playoff worthy uh, a team that's been struggling had high expectations and 
who would have, you know, a lot of some some team or uh, some some guys had this team winning the division this year. Uh, we both had them as wild card teams even before the expanded playoffs were announced. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, they got uh, Archie Bradley and Angels outfielder. Uh, how about that alum, Brian Goodwin? Um, right. So keep keeping themselves, yeah, keeping themselves relevant and playoff worthy there. So Chris, do you remember when I had when I mentioned Brian Goodwin on how about that? Do you remember what my topic was as to why I was talking about him? Um, it, was it a specific pitch that he was improving on? That well, it was it was the quantity of pitches being thrown. Um, was he getting more curveballs or more fastballs? He was getting. It was more fastballs. He was getting more fastballs and less breaking balls, despite being noticeably better on fastballs last year than he was on breaking balls. And that those numbers are still up. It's fastball is fifty seven. There's fifty four last year to fifty seven point one this year. Breaking ball is thirty point seven to twenty four point four. Um, and you know that trend is continuing. Like he has a one eighty eight. He has a one eighty eight batting average uh, on breaking balls and a two seventy nine on fastballs. And it was pretty much the same thing last year. So I'm mean, I'm interested to see if uh, the change in in competition will will start to realize this and maybe they'll throw more off speed. I mean, he's going to have, like, Jack Flaherty in his division. He's going to have Hugh Darvish, who's the king of breaking balls, pretty much. Um, I mean, who else? Like, Brandon Woodruff. He's going to have some quality pitching in his division. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if they can adapt. Yeah, it, it is weird. But I, I, I'm wondering what the stats are on the whole league, like fastballs versus breaking balls. Because I, I would I'm imagine, sure it is. I would imagine that – uh, everyone hits better uh, on fastballs, but I don't know if the gap is that is that large. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's definitely not uncommon to hit fastballs particularly well. But if someone doesn't hit well against breaking balls, it seems weird to me that they throw less of them over time. Yeah, it does seem weird. Um, like maybe he's not, in the gap between fastballs and, and breaking balls that are thrown to him. Yeah, and it's not really a small sample size anymore, so you can't even say that. Uh, exactly. And then, uh, and then they get Archie Bradley, who historically has been a, a pretty good reliever, and the Reds definitely need bullpen help. Uh, that's what's kind of been holding them back. Uh, they've still, yeah. you know, despite being, I think, 15 and 19, they've had one of the best starting rotations in baseball. It's been their bullpen and, and sometimes their offense. Uh, Archie Bradley. His breakout year was 2017. 2017, he had a 173 ERA in 73 innings pitch. Ever since then, he's been kind of a mid-threes ERA guy. This year, it's a little above four, but it can, it, it'll probably go down. I mean, uh, his FIP is 201 right now, so maybe some, some things are falling, uh, are, are falling for the opponents of Archie Bradley. So... That's that's a good acquisition. That that might go under the radar and, and might help. I have, I have one big takeaway take or something I'm looking forward to uh, with the Archie Bradley acquisition uh, in Cincinnati. And it is that so far this season, Archie Bradley is in the 84th percentile of fastball velocity 
However, he is in the 41st percentile of fastball spin rate and the second percentile in curveball spin rate. And if there's someone in Major League Baseball that can help out improving someone's spin rate, when their, especially when their velocity is already up, Chris, who is it? It's uh, number 27. That's right. It is Trevor Bauer, who is now Archie Bradley's teammate. And yeah. you know Trevor Bauer is going to be looking at this. He's going to see you know, the spin rates that can be improved, especially with the velocity that he's bringing to the table. So if Archie Bradley starts improving when he gets to Cincinnati, I'm going to be looking at the spin rates, especially on this curveball, because that's in the second percentile. It doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not quite familiar with his arsenal, but, you know, usually low spin rate means you're more likely to be a, a ground ball guy, high spin rate, just fly balls. But, um, I mean, Archie Bradley, let's look at the, look at the data. I'm looking, I'm looking right now. Uh, slugging percentage on each pitch, it's gone up considerably on this curveball this year. It went from 203 uh, to 417. Yeah, and it's not like he doesn't use a curveball. Some guy, sometimes guys don't really use a curveball. They use more of a slider. He uses his curveball 22.6% of the time. So not having a yeah. uh, not having a, a good spin rate there is definitely holding him back. His expected batting average and expected slugging have both shot up this year as well. Uh, his expected ERA is almost three runs higher. His regular ERA is nearly a run higher. Um yeah, I mean, Archie Bradley, I think – I mean, obviously we know how good he can be when he's on, and I think Trevor Bauer can bring him to a level that he's never seen before. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, that can definitely play a factor. I think, yeah, that can be a, a positive that comes out of that. And the Reds ultimately get the bullpen help that, that they need. So that uh, – that was – those were the major moves of the deadline. Um, you know, there were some minor moves here and there that that didn't really change the league that much, changed our view of the league that much. Uh, it, you know, ultimately it was like the Padres doing the major stuff, and then there were, you know, some secondary moves. like the Padres the carried the excitement of the trade deadline. Yeah, they, they uh, yeah, they took all the attention at the trade deadline. So now I guess we can get into some winners and losers uh, peripherally of the deadline. Uh, who, who, any, anyone uh, you want to specifically highlight? Um, I mean, I feel like if there is someone who, who won, uh, we could probably, we, we've probably already gone over it. And I mean, I think I, I really like the point I just made about the Reds uh, with Archie Bradley. I mean, I think if his spin rate can, impre can increase, uh, with Trevor Bauer's help, like he can become a dangerous force in that bullpen, uh, in a bullpen that already has Amir Garrett, a bullpen that already has Rysel Iglesias, a bullpen that has Michael Lorenzen that, you know, needs to pick it up this year. But if he does, like that is a, a bullpen you do not want to face to go along with a starting rotation that you already don't want to face. Uh, so I really like, I think, I think the Reds Archie Bradley uh, trade will go down as like the sneaky best one. That's my hot take yeah nice nice yeah. yeah uh i you know it's hard to take away especially um especially when there weren't that many big deals um 
I mean, I think I feel like the Padres uh, Indians trade was pretty even uh, peripherally. Uh, the, the Indians got a a lot of prospects, um, and the Indians technically might end up winning even if Mike Clevenger does well in San Diego. The Indians still might technically win. Yeah, I mean, they still, they still have a rotation with, what, Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Savale, um, Zach Plezak, Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good rotation. It's still probably a top-five rotation in baseball. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree there. Already your best pitcher. They've traded three of their best pitchers over the past year plus, and they still have a top-five rotation in baseball. Yeah, they've – they traded the uh, second runner-up of the 2018 Cy Young race. They uh, traded the guy who finished sixth in the 2018 Cy Young race in Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger. Did he finish? No, he's, he hasn't been a Cy Young finalist yet. But, I mean, no. still, since, yeah, since the start of 2018 – He's had the fourth best uh, ERA of, of in in the AL of pitchers who have pitched 300 plus innings, which there were 33 guys, so he was fourth out of 33. Yeah, yeah, he's been spectacular, and the Indians are able to get rid of him and still have a very good rotation, which is. Uh, so would you say the Indians were the winners of the trade deadline? The I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't call anybody. A winner or or loser. I mean, yeah, the Indians. The rotation still gets worse. It's still a good rotation, but it it does get worse. And um, I mean, they'll still be their their rotation will still be fine, but you want it to be elite, especially when that offense has been pretty bad. Um, I, I'm not saying they're a loser at the deadline, uh, but I mean they they could win that trade with. Padres, but that's all in the future. Um, I, I don't have that many takes on uh, on like the winners and losers of the of the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have a I do have a loser team though. Go right ahead. Uh, I was telling you about this earlier, but my loser team is the New York Mets. Oh uh, yeah. I really don't understand the direction that this team took. I mean, it's been a rough week in Mets land, like always. I mean, you have the Brody Van Wagen in. Uh, hot mic video where he criticizes Rob Manfred's idea uh, to have the players walk off the field and then come back and play an hour later uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement. And then it turned out to be Jeff Wilpon's idea. So he actually called out his own boss on camera. Uh, even if it was unknowingly, that still happened. And then in the, in the Wilpon statements, they both spelled Brody Van Wagenen's name wrong. Did you notice that, Chris? Yeah, you, uh, you, you, uh, texted it to me and yeah uh i mean you hired the guy you can't even spell his name right like that is such a willpon move at the very least steve cohen is making progress at buying the team so that's good uh but anyway the mets at the trade deadline this team is still in the playoff hunt uh, even if they aren't very good they are under 500 and they don't have much outside of jacob Degrom in their rotation uh they are in the playoff hunt and uh, they decided to buy, if you even want to call it that. The three players that they bought were Robinson Chirinos, Todd Frazier, and Miguel Castro. Robinson Chirinos is 36 years old. He is hitting 117. 
and they already have Thomas Nito uh, as their catcher, who has been playing pretty well and is a lot younger. And they also have Wilson Ramos. So I do not understand uh, the need for another catcher. Uh, yeah, Thomas Nito has a 929 OPS in 26 plate appearances. He's 26 years old. Don't understand why you're getting a catcher. Uh, Todd Frazier, uh, I know I did say a couple weeks ago that he was the best bat in the Rangers lineup because he was at the time. Uh, he is now hitting, I think, 133 over the last like two weeks or something like that. Statistically speaking, he's one of the worst players over the last two weeks in the entire major leagues. And he's also uh, his age 34 season. So it's not like you're really going to get a lot uh, from him. And he's, a, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. And then Miguel Castro, I mean, I guess that's probably the best name out of the three. That doesn't make it – I mean, it's not like the bar is set very high. It's not. Uh, he's on the Orioles. Uh, he is 25 years old, and he did have 13.8 strikeouts per nine in 15 and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, which is good. But – I mean, if that's the, the, the best thing you did in a trade deadline when you're buying uh, in a situation where you desperately need to get some wins to get in the playoff picture, uh, you didn't do your job. And that's what I'm looking at with the New York Mets. Yeah, the direction is always unclear. I just realized I, I do have a loser, and they didn't come, it, come up in my mind. They're a loser because they did nothing, absolutely nothing at the deadline. Talking about the other team in New York, the Yankees. We've talked about this team over the past week or so. I mean, at, you got to at least throw your name in the Mike, the Mike Clevenger sweepstakes. I, like, they're not bringing up Clark. I was just say, I, mean, I think the, the defense there is that the Yankees are going to have a lot of acquisitions coming off the IL. Like, I do think that people are – like, the Yankees have obviously skidded recently, but I think a lot of people do forget how talented that lineup is when fully healthy. Um, and they are going to be back for the postseason. Yeah. They are. Last year. Uh, but, I mean, you have a good point of, like, at least put yourself out there. Like, at least try. Like, I don't think I saw them in one rumor. Yeah. Even, um, even uh, like, even with guys coming back from the IL, you're not going to get Luis Severino back off the IL. He's out for the year. So all you're getting back from there is, I think, James Paxton. I mean, like, you want – with the rotation, you got Garrett Cole for a reason because that rotation wasn't very good. I mean, Garrett I Cole, uh, after his start tonight, has a 3-9-1 ERA. Yeah. You got uh, Tanaka. You got Jordan Montgomery. You know, you got Garrett Cole and then some threes, three and four starters. I mean, this is – it's – the Yankees have been gearing up for these years, 2020, 2021, 2022. And even before that, too. Yeah, they have a they have a pretty good farm system. You got to throw your name in the Mike Clevenger sweepstakes. They might have been in on maybe Lance Lynn because I don't think a lot of uh, team names came out about Lance Lynn. Maybe they, they already tried Lance Yeah, maybe they tried, tried for Lance Lynn. But you, you got to throw your name in, in these starting pitcher sweepstakes. I, I don't know what they saw with Mike Clevenger that they didn't want him. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees are losing 5-1 right now to the Rays. Uh, if they lose this game, they will be four and a half games back of first place. Uh, I mean, they had a great comeback win against the Mets yesterday and followed it up with another win to sweep the doubleheader. 
And then when I saw that, you know, I mean, this could still be true, but I was thinking, oh, here it comes. This is where the Yankees go on a run and they will run away with the division. Uh, to follow that up with a, with a wash of a loss tonight to the Rays with Garrett Cole on the mound at home, uh, not what you want, as Joe Girardi would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a uh, it's definitely a loss there. You want to throw your name in, in the sweepstakes, but yeah, th- is that all? We, is that all we have on on the Yankees there? Yeah, yeah. So now we get into one of our favorite segments. We've got our Monday or Tuesday, September first edition of. So, uh, how many players do you have featured uh, this week? Because I have two. I have two. Okay. One of them, I have an impromptu. I have an impromptu. How about that? That I just uh, decided to do literally this second. Okay. I feel like we might have a crossover on one of them because one one guy has been like the best guy in baseball over the past three weeks. That I, one of us might have. Uh, this guy is pitching right now, and he is dueling with Shane Bieber, 0-0 in the fifth inning, and he's been doing this all year, and that is Brad Keller of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, coming into tonight, he had a 2.08 ERA. That is now down to, uh, I think, 160, 1.6, 1.69 ERA uh, so far for Brad Keller. Um, he didn't allow a run for a, a few starts. Uh, in a row. He has a 222 ERA plus right now uh, in 21 and two-thirds innings pitched entering tonight. So that's going to be even higher. Uh, And I mean, right now he's actively dealing uh, against Shane Bieber, who is our, who is your MVP pick along with both of our Cy Young picks. Uh, So that is my brief impromptu Brad Keller. How about that? So my first how about that is also a pitcher. Uh, and this is also a guy under the radar, very low ERA. Um, he's from the National League. Uh, his name, he's uh, on the Marlins. His name is Pablo Lopez. He's yep. been very yeah. good, very under the radar. Probably the reason that they're still uh, kicking around in the National League East. Um, he has yet to give up more than two earned runs in a start or pitch less than uh, – or pitch less than five innings. So every every game for him has been at least five innings with less than three earned runs, uh, two earned runs or less. And uh, that's not even – it's not like every start has been that way. He's uh, – he, he has a 2.10 ERA and a 2.26 FIP. His ERA ranks sixth in the National League, and his fielding independent pitching ranks third in the National League. Also, he has a 4.6 strikeout-to-walk ratio, which ranks eighth in the National League. And one thing that I noticed, one thing that's especially uh, especially pretty crazy, is he has a 61.2% ground ball rate on batted balls. I mean, 61.2% is unbelievable. I think the average is probably 35 40%, 61.2%. And it's not like they're being hit hard at all either. And I noticed, this is why baseball savant is great. You can notice when someone has made a significant adjustment. And that is exactly what Pablo 
Lopez has done from 2019 to 2020. So his four-seamer use uh, has gone from 42.4% in 2019 down all the way to 26.3% uh, in 2020. He's cut that down by like, uh, he's cut it down by 16%. And his changeup use has gone up 22.0%, 22.0% to 30.5%. And his sinker use has gone from 16.3% to 26.1%, almost 10% uh, difference between his sinker and uh from his sinker in 2019 to his sinker in 2020. And that is why he's getting these ground balls. And his sinker has improved uh, dramatically. In 2019, uh, hitters slugged 535 off his sinker. 535 slugging percentage is unbelievable, especially off one particular pitch. This year, however, they're slugging 250 off that sinker. So he has improved dramatically. He's made some adjustments. He's made his sinker uh, one of his primary pitches, and that's why he's been one of the best uh, starting pitchers in the National League this year without a lot of people realizing it. How about that? Good stuff, Chris. Good stuff. Uh, I have one more how about that for this, uh, this show. Uh, it comes from a team that not many people are fond of, uh, but this guy is not any reason for, uh, for why people don't like this team. Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. Uh, this guy, he was a rookie last year. I believe his rookie status ended last year. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. But he has been hitting the ball really well for those Houston Astros over the past couple weeks. Since August 11th. He is slashing 357, 431, 857 with a 1288 OPS. That slugging percentage and OPS are both third in the majors since then. He has 12 extra base hits and 11 strikeouts uh, since August 11th. Also since August 11th, his 506 Woba is fifth in the majors, also fifth in weighted runs created plus with 230. This season altogether, he is the Astros leader in home runs, RBI, runs scored, slugging percentage, OPS, triples, WOBA, weighted runs created plus, and wins above replacement. That is Kyle Tucker. Yeah, Kyle Tucker has been um, has been a bright spot for the Astros. You know, kind of a slow start for the Astros, and Kyle Tucker is helping them get back up maybe catch up to the Oakland A's uh, for first place in the division. Um, luckily, there was no crossover because my how about that, my second how about that is Trey Turner. Uh, if, yeah. I think he's gone kind of under the radar, but since August 10th, he's been the best player in baseball. Uh, I, I don't even have much on him um, because it's just the basic numbers speak for, the, for them for themselves. Since August 10th, He's hitting 456 with a 1303 OPS. Uh, since also since August 10th, he leads the league in average on base percentage, weighted runs created plus, and wins above replacement. And uh, something that's pretty crazy is that uh, also in this time frame, he's hitting 615 with runners in scoring position. He's eight for 13 with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, driving runners in from the leadoff spot. And that 615 average with runners in scoring position uh, since August 10th leads all players with at least 
12 plate appearances with runners in scoring position in that time frame. So that's Trey Turner for you. He's been unbelievable. Best player in baseball for the past three weeks. So now we go from the highs to the lows. Uh, now we highlight a player that has been not doing so hot. This is slightly alarming statistics. Who do you have uh, for your slightly alarming statistics? I've been waiting put this guy on here because I, I wanted to believe that I didn't have to, that he would eventually turn a corner. That has not happened. J.D. Martinez has been a problem this year. And it's been the whole year. And I'm going to highlight particularly since August 14th, he is tied for the third worst wins above replacement in the major leagues among position players. Uh, he is slashing 176, 259, 294, for a 5.53 OPS in that timeline. And also in that timeline, he has more strikeouts with 15 than hits and walks combined with 14. Uh, and also, he has a sub-300 OBP on the year, which is not like J.D. Martinez. And one particular stat that's been slightly alarming, his exit velocity this year has gone down 8 miles an hour since last season. And also, his hard hit percentage has dropped by over 10%. And... You know, I don't. Know, I don't want to be the one to say it, but after this much time, I think it's worth considering. He might be. He might be struggling from not being able to look at the video during games. That really might be a thing. Even if he wasn't stealing signs, like having to getting to use the video room, you know, in between at bats, might have been really helpful for him because JD is a student of the game. He studies it really well, and that could have a huge impact on his game. Slightly alarming. Yeah. Uh, so for the first time. We have crossover because that was also my slightly alarming okay. statistics. I, I guess, you know, two Red Sox fans, we think at the same time. Uh, yeah. What some, some stats that I guess uh, I should bring up. So in 2018, uh, he was in the 100th percentile in hard hit percentage. In 2019, he was in the 90th percentile for hard hit percentage. Now he's in the 47th percentile. So a major drop off. It's not. It's not necessarily because he's striking out or not walking. He's just not hitting the ball as hard. He's not getting a as good a look. He's not getting a look at his swing. Never mind, you know, uh, what the what the pitchers are doing. And yeah, currently has the second lowest F four in baseball. Uh, from 2017 to 2019, he hit 313 with a, a 1,007 OPS. But this year he's hitting 208 with a 674 OPS. It's been uh, it's been really rough for, for JD Martinez, and you know even even if he opts in for next year, he doesn't have much to look forward to with the with the Red Sox. I, you know, next year one free agent class isn't isn't going to make this team uh, into a playoff contender. So yeah, it's been it's been tough for him, but hey. Do, do you have a uh, – I don't have any more slightly alarming statistics. Do you have – I did not either. Yeah. We like to go positive. It's it's hard to it's hard to highlight more than one guy a week with uh, slightly alarming statistics. So now we get into our preview of the week ahead. Uh, any any ser series for you in, in particular that you want to highlight? Um, I mean, you have to look at Yankees' Rays. You have yeah. to. 
Uh, I mean, the Rays are winning five to one right now in the top of the eighth inning. Um, obviously, it was Tyler Glass now versus Garrett Cole tonight. The Rays did not announce any more starters because all of their pitchers are hurt. Um, the Yankees have Tanaka going tomorrow night, and they have Montgomery. Oh, Mar- Montgomery versus Charlie Morton making his return on Wednesday. So they just haven't announced their Tuesday starter. Um, and it looks like that's it for that series. But I mean, the Rays could be six and a half up by the end of it. Yeah, the the Rays after this series could be could basically have the division wrapped up, which uh, which is insane. pretty insane. But luckily for the Yankees, winning the division doesn't have that much value this year, uh, except maybe home field. Or no, there's the bubble. So uh, luckily, yeah. uh, luckily that last ups. Yeah, last ups. But yeah, luckily. Luckily, there's for the Yankees, you know, that's why they had the expanded playoffs. They wanted to make sure that everyone that was supposed to get in got in. And, you know, I kind of agreed with that because you can run into some injuries and you can scuffle for a little bit, but you should still be in the playoffs, especially a 60-game season when the game is pretty unpredictable. So my series to look at is Twins versus White Sox. The Twins, I'll say the Twins, Indians – and White Sox are probably the best three-team race that we have going on right now. Race. So, yeah. so I, uh, I look at these matchups a lot, whether it's Twins-White Sox, Twins-Indians, or Indians-White Sox, always pretty entertaining. Um, I was going to say it's, it's, time for the, uh, it's time for the Twins to turn it around. Uh, they were on a five-game losing streak entering um, – Entering Monday, they, the uh, they were on a five-game uh, losing streak heading into Monday, and the White Sox were on a completely different direction. Uh, they're on an eleven and two run coming into Monday. However, right now the Twins are winning four to two, and the Twins uh, four to two in the fourth inning, meaning that the offense has turned it up against Lucas Giolito. However, coming into Monday, uh, the Twins' offense was kind of taking a, a snoozer during that five game losing streak. They had a 563 team OPS. They didn't score more than three runs in any of those games. And uh, I was about to say it was ca- kind of alarming that they were going to face Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, but they seem to be handling Lucas Giolito pretty well so far. Uh, Giolito is yeah. allowed three hits. Uh, two of those runs were unearned. Uh, one home run, seven strikeouts, but, Nonetheless, the Twins are, are winning right now, 4-2. to two. That's right. So that leads to the conclusion of the episode. I guess a, a trade deadline special, uh, talking about all the, all the trades and what happened in the league about a, about a month after the season started. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, and you want to watch us talk, uh, we are on YouTube. Subscribe, STBNL with Christianta and Daniel Curran. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel at Daniel underscore Curran. Also follow him on Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram uh, at STBNL Podcast. And we hope you enjoyed our 
weekend slash trade deadline recap. And we hope to see you in the middle of the week uh, where we will be talking about everything that we were previewing uh, beforehand. See you then.